You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. For those of you listeners who know my background a bit, you might remember the stories of my first few jobs after college. From being a mall cop to selling makeup door-to-door, I realized that I had skills that were being underutilized and that these minimum wage jobs couldn't support me or last forever. I spent years going through YouTube, reading books, listening to podcasts, and taking enough online courses to reinvent myself as a professional copywriter and digital marketer. Years later, thanks to my side hustles and drive, I've worked with national news outlets, multi-million dollar tech startups, nonprofits, and celebrities to build their brands and drive sales. None of this could have happened if I didn't develop in-demand skills. I had to do this alone, but you don't have to. You have Hustlers University 2.0. Hustlers University 2.0 is a community where you can learn real skills to earn money online today, starting with side hustles you can use to elevate your game. I'm not just an advocate for Hustlers University. I'm also a student. Every professor is verified to be making 10K to 500K monthly in their selected field. You get full resources, lesson plans, and an active community of thousands of other Hustlers University students working on skills such as stock analysis, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, copywriting, which was my favorite course, one I actually went ahead and took last month. And as a copywriter of seven years, I even took a ton out of that, including some of the resources I was able to take over to my day job. You also learn freelancing, financial planning, affiliate marketing, business management, and so much more. If you're tired of depending on a boss who hates you to deliver your paycheck or have learned since the lockdowns that controlling the source of your income is vital to your individual freedom, sign up for Hustlers University 2.0 today using the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. New York Times best-selling author of The Joy of Pizza. What, what, a, what, a, what a good freaking title for one. The full title is The Joy of Pizza, Everything You Need to Know. And I'll include a link to the book in the show notes so you can go ahead and pick it up. 
Dan, I'm glad we were able to get you on tonight. Uh, a little bit of back scene, uh, you know, understanding for the folks. This is this is what I love about um, doing this show and getting to meet different people. You, you tend to understand little things over time. And we were supposed to start a couple hours ago. And like right when I logged on, I'm like, you know what? Something seems a little off in the universe. I don't know if it was like the feng shui in my room or like, you know, the alignment of the planets. But I was like, you know, he runs a restaurant. It's a Wednesday night. It's kind of late. He's an hour ahead of me. This is typically when people are ordering dinner. I wonder if he's going to be available right now. Yeah. (laughs) And obviously I do apologize for that. Oh, it's all good. It happens. Usually at eight o'clock things are, you know, uh, winding down, but we just had such a busy night of happy people and it just time sometimes gets away from you. That's a good problem to have though. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, like sometimes I just don't want to leave the restaurant because everybody's just having such a good time. It's a love fest 24 hours a day. It's crazy. So what came first for you? Was it the love of writing or was it the love of cooking that eventually joined together for this book? So I have absolutely no love of writing. I actually (laughs) can't stand writing. That's why I have an amazing co-author named Katie Parla, who is a superstar, uh, not only at writing, but all things food and beverage. Uh, And thankfully, I've known her for such a long time, and she knows me and our food at the restaurant so well that we spent a year together just having detailed conversations And she was able to translate my rambling nonsense about the intricacies of pizza into a legible book that if I were to try to write myself, I would never have written even three pages. Doesn't that go with like the broader metaphor, though? A whole bunch of things you didn't think would go perfectly together, get put together and it creates an amazing final product. Yeah. And our whole, you know, this book is, it's, it's my ideas and my thoughts and my, my words, but there's so many people involved with writing a book. Uh, We just, uh, you know, I I assembled an amazing team from the photographer, Eric Wolfinger to the illustrator, Katie Shelley, Katie Parla, as I mentioned, um, our editor, Michael Zurban, my agent, David Black, there's so many people like they, I I would, this book would be absolutely nothing if it was just me, uh, you know, left to my own devices because I make really good pizza. And I think about pizza absolutely nonstop day and night. Sometimes I wake up with crazy dreams of weird pizzas and, Sometimes they're good ideas and sometimes they're awful. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I eat, sleep and breathe pizza. And for me to actually have been a part of this book is just a, a dream come true. Because I've been making pizza since I was 23. It was my first job out of college. And I just dove right in and I'm still deep into it. Learning every day and trying new things and really still, still pushing, even though, 
you know, I probably don't need to at this point. I could probably just rest on the laurels and, you know, live in Anguilla and check in, you know, call once a week and the place would be fine. But I am at my, my happiest either when I'm with my wife and kids or when I'm at the restaurant. What, what started this love? Uh, so I started making pizza right out of college uh, because I flew to Italy in college. I tasted not, not pizza, but really the, the Italian food that I tasted in Italy was so much better than anything I had tasted prior. Okay, so I got posy. So up front, you're saying that real Italian food is not like Olive Garden. I would say that's very, very accurate. Okay. I just wanted to level very that out accurate. there a bit. Yeah, but I grew up in New Jersey and we have Italian restaurants all over the place. My first job was as a busboy at 15 years old uh, in an Italian restaurant. And you know, the food was amazing. But when I flew to Italy, it was it was different. And we're talking the simple food. You know, I was 21 years old. I, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of money. I wasn't eating at Michelin starred mm-hmm. restaurants. We're talking a plate of pasta for, for five euros uh, at the time. Uh, and a plate of pasta with tomato sauce was so much better than anything I've ever tasted. And it was that disparity, that differential between what I knew and what I tasted that lit me up. It was, it was just, it was a light bulb. It was a no brainer for me. This is what I want to do. I'm so curious as to why the food was so much better. How do we get there and how can I make a business out of it? I I found that to be the case whenever I I travel overseas, like, you know, Mexican food is not what you're going to find at most Mexican restaurants here in the United States. I I grew up um, in a border town in Arizona and what you could get from right across the border or even in my own town, for example, was so drastically different than what you could get elsewhere. But I mean, the same thing can go for anything, Chinese food, Indian food. It, It seems that when food from other cultures comes to the United States, it goes through like this Americanization, which in some ways, I kind of like it. I like the American Chinese food type of deal that we have here versus what I've experienced overseas, having more authentic Chinese meals. And the same goes for many things. I mean, what, what do you think is the big difference between how Americans view food versus how it typically is in other cultures? I mean, you know, just just from the offset, a lot of tourists come here and they're like, there's a lot of cheese, a lot of it is fried, and you need a whole lot of seasoning to get any real flavor out of it. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say an Americanization of it, where I don't I don't know if that's a hundred percent true because I think people are people will consume whatever you give them. So it's up to the people producing the food to produce something with care and love. So you know, is it the consumer or is it the the producer, right? The person making that food. Like if they produce something that was just truly fantastic and mind-blowing, I think people would really enjoy it. I haven't thought of it that way. That, yeah, that's, I, that's I just interesting think it, when you point that out. It's it's just it's definitely interesting. Maybe, maybe it, you know, it's probably both. Right. Uh, you know, Americans demand certain certain foods and they gravitate towards certain foods. Uh, 
but there is the other side of the scenario, right? Even with Italian food, Italian food is, was, was great when I was growing up in New Jersey, but it was so different from anything I experienced in Italy. Uh, and I don't think that's because Americans demanded it to be different. I think it just, it shifted, it changed. The, the products are different. The, the cooking techniques. So in, you know, food is, is simply ingredients and technique, right? And the technique usually comes from tradition and people who genuinely care about producing food and ingredients are the raw materials that we start with, right? Most cooks don't really have, at least back in the day, didn't have the access to incredible raw materials the way that we do now. Like I can get tomatoes from a grower in, uh, in California that really invest in technology and, uh, and growing practices that maybe, maybe that access wasn't available, you know, 20 years, 30 years ago. Do you think that's forced people to become more creative in how they're specifically making food these days? Or do you think because we want to try and improve on things so much that we often lose a bit of what made, you know, older recipes, maybe different meals, you know, as special as we may have remembered them. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think so. Um, I also think that, um, that things definitely change, right? Food is in constant motion and culture surrounding food, food is in, in constant motion. It's, it's just always changing. And, uh, you know, the, the intentions behind the production of food. So somebody cooking food has an intention, right? And is your intention as a cook to make a ton of money and keep your costs as minimal as possible and grow as fast as possible and just really crush it in life? Or is it different? Is it to produce food with care and love and heart and really want to feed someone nutritious and delicious food? Intention is everything, right? You know, is it, is it, is your intention money or is your intention just genuinely caring for someone? I, I think that's the biggest difference between a, a lot of, you know, mainstream pizza chains and like smaller mom pa restaurants and stuff like that. And I, and I'm not knocking Domino's or Papa John's. I'll, I'll no, be, I'll, I'll be flat honest with you. I love little Caesars. It's $5 and hot and ready. And I never have to worry about it. And and people judge me on that. It's like, it's not real pizza. I'm like, no, it's real pizza. It's affordable. It I like it. Yeah. And I mean, so, some of my, some of my best memories involve when, like when I was in the army, it was me and my, my broke buddies in my unit who would all jump in someone's car and we go to little Caesars and buy a whole bunch of boxes of little Caesars pizza. Like for me, it's, it's nostalgia. It brings me back to those moments of, you know, camaraderie and fun. Hell and yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like pizza has that and not many other foods do for many people. And may, maybe that's just my opinion, but I think that's, no, that's fact, brother. That is fact. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's, it, it's that's why I love, that's why I love about it. Totally. That's, that's what I love about it too, is that it's fair. It's equitable. It's communal. It's pretty easily accessible. Um, pretty much on any budget. Uh, it, it's just the, it's the great leveler 
of, of foods, right? I don't care how much money you have in the world or how little money you have in the world. Everybody loves pizza, it brings people together. It's deeply rooted in childhood, uh, you know, everything from baseball games to school events, birthday parties. It's just always there for you. Uh, and and nostalgia is everything. And if you grew up eating Little Caesars and that brings you back to childhood with fond memories, like who is anyone to tell you that that's not pizza or that's not special or valued? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that that's the thing about it. And when, um, you know, when, when looking into your book and everything, I mean, it just really... It, it, it brings out one of those questions where it's like, why, why do we obsess over this? And I mean, with, with pizza, it's, as you mentioned, we don't, we don't think of like any other type of meal in the same way we think about pizza. What, what do you think it is about pizza other than the fact that it's something that, you know, regardless of age, regardless of where you are, it seems to be like the one common food where people see it. I've, ne- I've never heard anyone say anything negative about pizza. They can point yeah. to a burger place and be like, crap burger, don't want to go there. Or a Mexican place and be like, listen, you'll get food poisoning from there. But when it comes to pizza, it's like, you know what? Even if there's something wrong with it, it's worth the risk because it's familiar. Yes. Yes. Although I have to say that on the East coast, it's not quite like that on the East coast. There is a lot of negativity surrounding other people's pizza. People are (laughs) very, very passionate about what they think is the best pizza or the right way to do things. Like it's very, a very competitive field, um, both as a producer of the food, but also as a consumer of the food everybody has their spot. And that's, that's one of the things that is so special about pizza is you just every, your, your childhood memories or some special moment in your life that happened to involve pizza, like that becomes your barometer for all other pizzas. And people are very territorial about pizza, whether it's your location or like New Haven, Connecticut has the best pizza or New York has the best pizza or the best pizzas here. You know, it's, it's all complete nonsense. Your location doesn't dictate whether a product is good or bad, right? The, the people are very, passionate about pizza, especially where, where I come from, which is the New York, New Jersey area. Um, so there is a lot of strong feelings to say the least. Um, but yeah, but fundamentally pizza is delicious, right? It's melted cheese, sweet and acidic tomatoes, balancing the fat and the cheese all melted and baked onto, onto a flat, bread right so it's fundamentally in our nature like in our human composition to enjoy sweet savory rich aromatic foods right it's it's a fundamentally delicious food obviously if you're celiac or lactose intolerant it becomes a little bit more difficult uh, which i feel for for my fellow humans that that have those but that's a struggle right there totally yeah um but it is it is fundamentally delicious and 
Then you throw on top of that all of the emotional reasons why we love pizza. Like I can tell you some of my earliest memories were running errands with my mom, eating half of a slice of pizza with my grandfather. Uh, You know, there's just so many emotional reasons why we love the food and it's fundamentally delicious. Like it's a winning combination. Do you think there's such a thing as bad pizza? I could probably make a little Caesars joke right now, but I'm not going to do that to you. (laughs) No, I mean, I I hear it all the time. I mean, my, you know, I I will never say like, you know, if, if I were on, if if, let's say this is my last day on earth and I had to have pizza for dinner, I would not pick little Caesars, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I can think of a lot of different meals and a lot of different foods and I've had really great experiences and I've had really bad experiences on, on when it comes to pizza, at least for me personally, it's almost like on a different scale. It's was it good for the moment or was it above and beyond? And oh, with little Caesars, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's like Domino's, for example. I remember Domino's pizza growing up. They had the stereotype of just being ketchup on cardboard <laughs> and then in the mid 2000s when they completely tossed out that whole thing and they actually started making actually decent pizza it's like people people started getting back into it it's like you know domino's is is doing pretty well and then all the other pizza places uh pizza hut papa john's they they started having to redo their recipes and stuff like that and it's not that any of them were ever terrible. It's just that they all, in that sense of competition, they all were like, you know what? People are expecting a higher caliber of pizza. And then there's Little Caesars where they're like, we're not changing. We're $5 and hot and ready. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, I I look at the, the big players in the industry for inspiration on some levels, obviously not on the quality level by any means, but from a business model, it's extraordinary. Pizza is fundamentally a difficult business to scale if you care about quality. Uh, Pizza is a living thing uh, until you bake it. And then it has a very limited shelf life. Uh, So, for places to scale to thousands of units uh, is they're doing something right. You, I'm, um, you, you only operate one location for your, for yes. your restaurant, right? Would you ever yeah. franchise or do you think that's one of the, one of the issues that, that comes with growing and expanding a business like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't intend to operate multiple units. That's not, I've, I've, I've kind of been there, you know, my, I had uh, two restaurants going out at the same time and it made me not very happy. Uh, even though I was making more money than I ever had. Uh, I just, I personally was not happy splitting my time between two restaurants. Uh, and they were only 30 minutes apart, 25 minutes. So it's not really enticing to me. Like I don't, I don't do this for the money. I do it because I love doing it. I love being in my restaurant. I love interacting with my guests and 
watching kids grow from being in high chairs, feeding them their first slice of pizza. Some of them are now out of college and I get to be their pizza memory. I get to be their little Caesars for you, right? That fond memory. I get to be that person. It's amazing. And it's not something that I take lightly. And it's something that I really enjoy. I enjoy connecting with people over pizza. Uh, So for me, it's not a matter of like, I'd rather take less money and be happier uh, than scale a business that I think is very difficult to scale. Uh, You know, for, for what, like what's, what's the intention again, going back to what we were talking earlier, my intention is to, to be here for our guests, be here for our team and to be a part of their lives, just the way that they're a part of my life. And we get to do it all over a slice of pizza. And I mean, you, you touched on this at the beginning. It's it's that communal experience. It's getting to see people as they're enjoying your food and enjoying each other's company. I, I think that's why, like, you know, with, with some 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 pizza places I remember growing up, it's like I look back and sometimes I actually do wonder when I when it's like, you know, 1 a.m. and I'm like, do I want to order a pizza right now? I wonder if Little Caesars is open. I start thinking back at those places and I'm like, you know, I wonder if it's as good as I remember. And um, I, I mean, I, I remember growing up as as a child, there was a, there was a place in, in my neighborhood called Vinny's Pizza. And I know, as I say that, probably everyone has like their own Vinny's. There's there's thousands of Vinny's, but they're not they're not related, obviously. But, you know, it's like I, I remember uh, going back like 15, 16 years later and it's still up, still owned by the same family. Original Vinny died a long time ago. He's got like, you know, the Italian mustache and the chef's hat and he's in the black and white photo, even though that photo was taken like 2005. So we don't know why it's black and white, but it it was one of those moments where it's like, you know, I enjoyed going back. I enjoyed seeing people. It brought me back to that memory. And then I took the, you know, the leftover pizza home. I ate it the next day. And I just was kind of like, you know, the pizza is good but it might not be as great as I remember. And then as I really started getting all nostalgic about it, it's like, you know, I don't necessarily think it was the pizza that I was missing. I think it was that part of, of my childhood that, that was so familiar. That time and place. And I mean, even though like there might be, you know, a day where like a Papa John's pizza might be objectively, you know, tasting better, hotter, whatever than that, pizza I brought home. It's like, there's an identity with local restaurants that is just irreplaceable. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a lot in that statement to unpack. Like first and foremost, like I was getting deep there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm all about it. But supporting independent restaurants is vital. It's one of the backbones of our economy is small business. uh, And we're up against a lot of challenges. You know, Papa John's, Domino's, they can negotiate better pricing and keep their costs much lower than any individual owner. Small business is so important for so many reasons. We're one of the largest employers in the country, but we're all separate. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's a, a lot there. Uh, How did, I mean, what was... Sorry, jump into the deep end on this one, but like, Bring it. what were, what were, what was the pandemic like for you guys? I mean, uh, I, was, I was in Virginia at the time. I was right outside of DC and, 
you know, it's like I could still go and get fast food. I could still order delivery, but a lot of, a lot of our local restaurants were just struggling. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, the pandemic was interesting. Uh, it was kind of my, my worst fear, which is to not have, uh, a staff, right. We had to lay off or furlough our staff when we, cause we closed for about a month at the very beginning of the pandemic. Cause one of our, one of our friends passed away, a young guy of, of COVID. Um, so we all got freaked out. We closed the restaurant for about a month. Um, and then, um, we started to reopen and slowly, uh, it, it completely turned our business upside down. We didn't have enough infrastructure to support takeout and delivery with the current kitchen equipment, right? So we didn't, we didn't have enough oven space to fit enough pizzas to bake enough pizzas to pay the rest of the bills. So a couple of months in, we realized that, that we weren't going to make it. So we did a ton of construction, put a second pizza oven in, and then it got substantially better. And, you know, we were able to be agile enough to, to be, to change our, the, our menu, to change the way that we do business. If I had five locations, it's, you're much less agile because it, it, it is a very hands-on business you have to be there for the top, the product, the people, the your guests. You have to be there, and when you have multiple locations, it becomes it's less easy to to be that hands on. So I'm fortunate to only have one location because I was able to be here uh, and make sure that our guests were safe, our team was safe. Uh, and that we could function as as a restaurant in extenuating uh, circumstances. How long did it take for things to finally start feeling normal again? Like when uh, did you actually look out and be like, yeah, I wonder if if you know if everything's back to how it used to be? Oh, it's definitely it's still not how it used to be for us, and it never will be. Um, in the middle of the pandemic, we started construction on. Uh, we took over the space next door to us. And we've been under construction for two years, building out this uh, addition to the restaurant. So we doubled the size of the re- of the current restaurant, and um, you know we we just reopened our dining room, our new expanded dining room. So it'll never go back to the way it was for us because now we have twice the amount of space. Our team is more than twice its size, um, and we're you know scaling up for for us, right? we're not scaling up to 10 units, but for us, it's, it's scaling up. Yeah. But none of that ever made you question your resolve to say, listen, I'm, I'm a restaurateur. I make people pizza that makes them happy. And I'm going to keep doing this. Oh, absolutely. There was no point in the pandemic that I thought that I'm done. I need to find a different line of work. Uh, There was no point in that. It was more about just believing in, in our team and investing in them and us. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different now. It, I think it'll always be a little bit different than it was pre pandemic for, for everybody. There's just new norms and, uh, 
technology really saved a lot of restaurants between online ordering platforms, third-party delivery services. Um, it's just better technology that made it easier to function in this type of circumstance that for us, it's not ever going away. Well, Dan, we're running uh, close to time. And I mean, the one thing that I really want people to take home is that, uh, and, and I heard you mention this in another interview you did over at The Art of Manliness, is, is people start to look out the world around them and we want to try and find things to bring us together. One story that you mentioned was, you know, how one of your favorite moments during the week is when you actually get to just go into the kitchen with your wife and your kids and you all just, you know, take take a role and you're all making pizza together. And honestly, I, I can't remember the last time I ever actually made a pizza in my own kitchen, but I was talking to my fiance and I was like, you know what, we should, we should do it once to see whether we screw it up. And if we do screw it up, we'll go ahead and order some little Caesars because you know, it's $5 hot and ready. They should yeah. pay me to talk about they them so much, <laughs> but um, you yeah, know, you got to start talking about Vinny more. Talk about your Vinny's more. Absolutely. That I mean, small if, business owner that's struggling and doesn't have the capital and wherewithal to, to be flexible and to grow their business. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, p- pizza making is a, is a skilled trade. I look at pizza making similar to being a plumber or a carpenter, right? You can't try carpentry once. Okay you're just not going to have the skills needed to, to create a professional level pizza on the first go around, right? Carpenters study the, the, the properties of, of wood and the different woods and the hardness and how they join together. Like it's, it's a trade and it's a, it's a craft. Like you have to keep practicing. So if you don't, make the pizza of your dreams the first time don't get discouraged because that second time is going to be so much better than the first time. And, and the, the thousandth time that you make pizza, it's going to be exponentially better. Just keep practicing and doing it if you love it. And I believe that people love pizza and people love cooking. So try it and keep trying it if you like it. And if you don't like it, go make a bowl of soup or something. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And and folks, if you need some inspiration, you can go ahead and pick up Dan's book, The Joy of Pizza. Dan, if people want to go ahead and pick it up, check it out themselves, how could they do so? Yeah. So you can visit the joyofpizzabook.com. We have links to everything from Amazon to independent bookstores, which supporting small business and especially independent bookstores is super important. Amazon probably has it for $5 cheaper, but that's why they're putting independent booksellers out of business. Uh, so if you can support indie booksellers um, or, you know, support Amazon either way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, that that's the one thing that we, I've been trying to really run home to a lot of our listeners. And in my day job, I'm a digital marketer. And, you know, when I can help a small business that adds personality and character to their community, that gives entrepreneurs a sense of accomplishment and allows them to, you know, really dictate their own future instead of having to rely on large corporations. That, that's the most important thing, because if we lose our small businesses, we lose a, a chunk of ourselves in the process. And if we keep losing, 
restaurants like we we did here in my my new home of milwaukee uh little caesars might be the only option for people and uh you know for all the chicago deep dish lovers here they would they would throw a conniption if that happened dan thank you so much for doing the best sorry it was late oh it's all good sir folks (laughs) if you want to go ahead and help the show please get conversations like this with dan out there a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcaster of choice would do the trick as always be safe be good good night